Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. You're listening to a sermon series entitled, Are the Gospels Reliable? Okay, so um, two weeks ago we heard how the four Gospels are based on eyewitness testimonies and that they're completely reliable and trustworthy. But is there any historical evidence outside the Bible to back up the claims of the Gospels? So, Mike, is there any corroborating evidence? Well, yes, actually there's, there, there's a lot of evidence. There's a, there are many uh, early Christian writers, which we will call the Apostolic Fathers, because they were writing within living memory of Jesus. So in other words, they're writing within the first century and early second century, and they provide huge amounts of evidence that supports the claims of the Gospels. Okay, sure, uh, but that's kind of expected, as they are Christians. But is there any historical evidence from non-Christian historians living during that time? Yes, we have uh, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian. We have Tacitus, who was a Roman historian. We have Pliny the Younger, who was a Roman governor. We have the uh, Jewish Talmud. Okay, slow down. (laughs) That's a lot of names. Um, Can we look at one at a time? Who was that first guy? Josephus. So Josephus was a a very important Jewish historian in the first century. He was actually a priest and a Pharisee in Jerusalem. But then during the Jewish-Roman wars of AD 66 to AD 74, he actually surrendered to the Romans, or more more precisely, he swapped sides, Um, which was quite something because many of his colleagues decided to commit suicide rather than to surrender. Uh, But he swapped sides... And it was after that that he wrote up the history of the Jewish war. And then he wrote a a history of the Jewish people up to and including his own time. And it's within that writing that he mentions James, the brother of Jesus, and he also mentions Jesus himself. But what does he actually say? Okay, we have, uh, he, he writes in his book, The Antiquities, which is the history of the Jewish people. He says... Ananas, uh, that's the Jewish high priest, assembled the Sanhedrin of judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus who was called Christ, whose name was James, and some others. And when he had formed the, an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be stoned. So over here we have the Jewish high priest who has, ha- who has James and some of the other Christians executed But what's very significant for us is that he he names James as the brother of Jesus who was called the Christ. What is so significant about that? Well, it says to us that from an outside historical source that there was a person called Jesus and that his followers considered him to be the Christ. That's the anointed one, the Messiah. Also, uh, Josephus, writing in the same book, says, Now, there was about this time Jesus a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man. For he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him both many of the Jews and many of the Gentiles. He was the Christ, the Messiah. And when Pilate, at the suggestion of the principal men amongst us, had condemned him to the cross, those that loved him at first did not forsake him, 
For he appeared to them alive again the third day, as the divine prophets had foretold these and 10,000 other wonderful things concerning him. And the tribe of Christians, so named from him, are not extinct to this day. Wow, okay, that seems amazing. And that's incredible supporting evidence for Jesus' life, miracles, death, and resurrection. But is it authentic? To be honest, I'm a little sceptical about a Jewish, non-Christian historian writing it. And is it possible that it's been doctored through the years by Christian scribes? Well, initially, uh, the early scholars believed that this was a wonderful and thoroughly authentic Uh, evidence to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. But as the years went by, uh, some scholars began to doubt the authenticity of this passage, of the whole passage. Uh, They they sort of claimed it was just too good to be true, and that it must have been added into the manuscripts by a later Christian scribe. But today, there is a remarkable consensus among all scholars, both Jewish and and Christian, in fact, even secular scholars who believe that the passage is authentic, even though there might be some minor additions. Okay, what, what small additions? Okay, well, these additions, uh, they believe that there were some Christian scribes who were copying the manuscripts, had inserted a few additional phrases into the text. Uh, certain things, phrases, that a Jewish historian simply wouldn't have written. So, for example, in the first line it says, Now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man. Now, early Christians don't normally describe Jesus using those words, so that's considered to be entirely authentic. But then the next phrase it says, If it be lawful to call him a man, which implies that he was more than a human, that he was God. And so that's believed that that phrase has been inserted later by a Christian scribe. Also the, the, the phrase where it says, he was the Christ, the Messiah. It's also believed that that was a later addition because earlier we read how, how Josephus claims that it was the followers of Jesus who considered Jesus to be the Messiah. So it would be quite unusual for Josephus over here to blatantly claim that Jesus is the Messiah. So that has probably been um, added later by Christian scribe. Also where it says he appeared to them alive again on the third day uh, is believed to have been a later addition. Uh, I mean, because it's highly unlikely that Josephus would believe that Jesus was more than a human, that he was the Messiah, and he rose from the dead, and yet still was not a follower of Jesus. You know what I mean? If he believed those three things, he would be a Christian. And so it's most likely that those three phrases were added. But scholars believe that the rest of the passage is entirely authentic and genuine. But this sounds like scholars squabbling for the sake of squabbling. What's the point of it all? The point of it all is that the scholars want to make sure absolutely sure that beyond any doubt that what we have is an authentic, accurate text. That this is exactly what Josephus actually said. They don't just want to make Jesus look good. They want to make sure that the text they have is the, the, the actual words that Josephus had. So we can be uh, completely confident 
that these are the words that, apart from those three phrases, these are the words that Josephus actually wrote. And that's highly significant because over here, we have a non-Christian historian writing within the first century who claims that Jesus did perform miracles, that Jesus was a great teacher, that many people followed Jesus, that Jesus was rejected by the Jewish leaders, that Jesus was crucified by Pilate, and that even after that, many people continued to follow Jesus and that they claimed that he was the Messiah. Okay, Uh, so who was the second guy you mentioned? Tacitus? Yes, Tacitus. So Tacitus was a, a, a Roman historian, and uh, he, he writes about how the, the Roman emperor Nero blamed the Christians for the great fire in Rome in AD 64 as a way of diverting suspicion away from himself. And so he writes, Consequently, to get rid of the report, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christ, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of the procreators, Pontius Pilate. And a most mischievous superstition, most likely a reference to Jesus' resurrection, thus checked for a moment, again broke out not only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome. Accordingly, an arrest was made first of all who pleaded guilty. Then upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted, not so much for the crime of firing the city, as of hatred against mankind. So over here we have a Roman historian who claims that Jesus was crucified by Pontius Pilate, that his followers then claimed that he had risen from the dead, the most mischievous superstition, and that there were many people still following Jesus who were prepared to experience exquisite torture and even death rather than renounce their faith, their belief in Jesus. Okay, moving on to the third guy you mentioned. Who is Pliny the Younger and what did he say? Pliny the Younger was the uh, Roman governor in, in northern parts of Turkey. And he writes in about AD 112 to the Roman emperor to ask for advice on how to deal with Christians. And he writes, it's quite a long letter, and he says, I have asked them if they are Christian." If they omit it, I repeat the question a second and a third time with a warning of punishment awaiting them. If they still persist, I order them to be led away for execution. Those who deny they are Christians, I thought, should be released, provided they, they call on the Roman gods in my presence and offer incense and wine to your statue. And above all, if they renounce Christ, which no true Christian, I am told, can be made to do. They also declared that the sum total of their guilt amounted to no more than this. They met regularly before dawn on a fixed day to sing verses alternatively amongst themselves to Christ 
as if to a God, and also to bind themselves by oath, not for any criminal purpose, but to commit no fraud, no robbery or adultery, to bear no false witness, and not to deny any debt when asked to pay up. So I felt it all the more necessary to extract the truth by torture from two slave girls whom they called deaconesses. They were leaders in the church. But I found nothing but groundless superstition. Many people of all ages and classes of both sexes are now being enticed into moral peril and will be in the future. The superstition has spread like the plague, not only in the cities, but in the villages and the countryside as well. So over here we have a very important historical text that actually gives evidence to the fact that Christianity spread all over the known Roman world and amongst all classes of people. So you had slaves and free, you had people, males and females, you had young and old. This was just not heard of in the ancient world. The classes simply did not mix together, but they did in the church. And they also it gives evidence of the fact that the early Christians had a very high ethical standard and that they worshipped Jesus as if a god. And that they were prepared to be tortured and die rather than renounce their faith rather than renounce their belief in Jesus. Okay. You mentioned another Jewish source, the Talmud. What's that one? The Talmud is, is a collection of Jewish writings uh, that uh, it, it records the oral tradition of the rabbis. So it goes all the way back to the time of Jesus. And within here, there, there are references uh, uh, to Jesus. Okay. So they do mention Jesus then? Yes, uh, so we've got over here. So the, and always very negatively. They always put a highly negative spin. There's nothing positive about Jesus in the Talmud. Uh, so for example, it says, Jesus the Nazarene practiced magic, sorcery, and led Israel astray. So, so how do the texts support the gospel claims? It seems to undermine the gospel claims about Jesus. Well, actually, inadvertently, they actually affirm that Jesus did perform miracles. You see, they can't deny the fact that Jesus is performing miracles. Everybody knows he's performing miracles, so they put a negative spin on it. They say, oh yeah, he's performing miracles, he's healing people, he's driving out demons, but he's doing that with magic, with sorcery, with demonic powers. So it's, it's like a smear campaign against Jesus. But interesting enough, in the Gospels... For example, in Mark chapter 3 and verse 22, it actually states that the Jewish religious leaders, the rabbis, tried to accuse Jesus of performing miracles and driving out demons with the help of demonic powers. So it inadvertently affirms and supports uh, the gospel accounts. Another text we have uh, says, On Sabbath Eve and the eve of Passover, Jesus the Nazarene was hanged. Because he practiced sorcery and seduced Israel into idolatry. Uh, so once again, we have, it, it affirms that about Passover time, Jesus was hung on a cross. Uh, and so that really affirms 
the, the historical account of Jesus' death. But again, they put a negative spin on it. They say, well, the reason he was executed was because he practiced sorcery and he led Israel astray. In other words, they're trying to claim that Jesus was a false prophet who was leading Israel astray. And once again, that's exactly what the Gospels say. During the Passion accounts, we see time and time again that the Jewish religious leaders start mocking Jesus as if he's a false prophet. So this text, these texts actually inadvertently do support the claims of the Gospels. Okay, so let's imagine we don't have the New Testament, we don't have any other Christian writings. Without them, what would we know about Jesus from other ancient non-Christian historical texts? Okay, so if we, if we don't have the Bible, we don't have any Christian writings, we still know a hang of a lot about Jesus. We know, one, that he was a very popular Jewish teacher. We would know, too, that he performed many miracles and healings. Three, that many people believed he was the Messiah. Four, that he was rejected by the Jewish leaders and that he was crucified by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. Five, that after that, many people continued to believe that he was alive. Six, that his followers rapidly grew in number. They went beyond Israel. They went throughout the whole Roman world. Seven, that his followers included all kinds of people. Slaves and free, male, female, young and old. And that they worshipped him as God. And that they would rather die than renounce their faith. They would rather experience torture and die than renounce their belief in Jesus. Okay, so what does all this historical evidence do for your personal faith? Well, it strengthens my faith. Because our faith isn't based on a philosophy or an ideology or wishful thinking. Our faith is based on reality, on a historical reality. Jesus walked on earth. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus rose from the dead three days later. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. It's a reality. But all this historical evidence can never create faith. It'll never get us to the point where we can know absolutely, where we can know with 100% certainty. We will always need faith. We'll always need to take that step of faith and put our trust in Jesus. But I believe if we weigh up all the historical evidence, we look at all the historical evidence and we weigh it up, I believe that we can know beyond a reasonable doubt that Jesus did say and did do what the Gospels say that he said and did. But we still need faith. We still need to take that step of faith and put our trust in Jesus. And when we do that, we will receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And we will have this deep, we'll have this sense of peace deep down within our spirit. And we will know that our faith is well placed. So how about you? 
Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you taken that step of faith? If not, then let today be the day that you start that great journey, that great adventure with the living God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at all the historical evidence, as we examine everything, we are blown away just about at the amount of evidence, historical evidence from non-Christians that support the gospel claims. Father, we thank you that we can, beyond a reasonable doubt, we can be certain that Jesus said and did what the gospels say Jesus said and did. Father, we thank you that our faith is not based on a philosophy or an ideology or, or mere wishful thinking, but it's based on a reality. A historical reality. We thank you that our faith is well placed. That we're not just taking a leap into the darkness. But there's good historical support. But Father we know that that's not enough. Help us to take that step of faith. To put our trust in you. And Father we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would meet with us. That you would minister to us. That you would testify with our spirit. That we would know deep within our core. That this is the truth. That this is the reality. Help us to take that step of faith, we pray. And those of us who have taken that step of faith and we are on that journey. Father, may this evidence just strengthen our faith and give us more confidence for the hope that we have. That it's based on a reality. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.